This is episode number 79, How Mobility and Mindset Can Heal Both Physical and Emotional Pain, with Dr. Jen Esquerre. Welcome to the Sonia Looney Show. This is a podcast about how to live a high-performance life, spanning the categories of a mindset, plant-based nutrition, and inspiring stories to help you be better every day. So if we could slow down, if we could say, okay, I felt that adrenaline, now let me breathe into it, let me relax, you can actually shut down your pain immediately, or at least lessen it. So again, first thing, awareness, compassion, acceptance, that pain is going to happen, and then breathe into it, and then know, okay, it's just talking to me, now where do I get to go? And that could be physical, that could be emotional. How's your week going? It's pretty crazy that we're already near the end of November and winter is well on its way. I'm excited about it because I learned how to cross-country ski just a little bit last year, and I'm interested in doing more Cross-country skiing is such a technique-oriented sport, and it's just really fun to try and learn something that takes all of your attention. I've been home for almost a solid month, which after traveling just about every single week of this year has been so nice to be home and to be grounded. And I have been enjoying training my new puppy, Baxter. He's a little border terrier. And the experience of having a dog and of having my attention drawn in another place to take care of something else has been really, really healing and really awesome. I tend to, as I've mentioned, get really focused and involved in work and I have a hard time pulling myself away. So having a dog has just been great. And as in a previous episode, Brad Stolberg said, rest is defined as doing something where you don't need to progress and you definitely don't need to try and progress playing with the dog. So it's been really awesome. It's also been nice being at home because I get to cook all my own meals. Whenever you're on the road, I can still find good plant-based meals, but the most nutritious meals I eat are at my own house. So it's been really neat doing that and just getting reacquainted with all of my different cookbooks that I love. There is a list of the cookbooks I like on my website. Just Google my name and that thing I never mentioned and that blog post will come up or I'll put it in the show notes. And if you're interested in eating some plant-based meals or you're looking for some ideas for the holidays... I want to invite you guys to join our free Facebook group called the Plant Powered Tribe. So all you have to do is go on to Facebook and search it. It's free and anyone can join. We have about 1,300 members, which is awesome. And it's a really great place, especially around the holidays when you're trying to stay healthy and you're trying to look for some alternatives. It's it's awesome. And I also have an Instagram at Plant Power Tribe. And there I post almost every single day different foods that I'm eating and some different information. So those are both great places if you're looking to just be a little bit healthier and just add in more plant-based foods. Big shout out and thank you to those of you who are supporting my work financially on Patreon. I really appreciate it. It really helps with the growth of the show. It helps keep it going I have an awesome audio engineer named Roma who lives in the Ukraine, and he does an amazing job every single week of making sure that the final product of this show looks great. So thank you for supporting us on Patreon. If you'd like to do that, even a couple bucks a month makes a big difference, and it's patreon.com slash the Sonia Looney Show. You can also find that in the show notes. So thank you so much, you guys. 
So let's get into today's guest. Her name is Dr. Jen Esquer, and she's somebody that I follow really closely online, someone that I'm inspired by and someone that I look up to. And Jen is all about mobility and movement and learning to heal your own body. So how well do you actually know your own body? Dr. Jen Esquer believes in empowering people to heal themselves through movement and body awareness. As a physical therapist with a sports focus, she has the equation to our aches and pains, mobility. Mobility or being able to use our body through its full ranges of motion is often the most overlooked element. I didn't even really think about that word until I started following her and I realized that there is a lot of things I was missing. Mobility is what makes up the foundation behind stretching, strength work, and yoga and every way we bend and use our body. I recently started putting more emphasis on mobility when I realized that all of my recurring aches and pains were related to an inability to move properly. I also couldn't understand why I could never do a proper handstand despite doing yoga for over a decade and why certain yoga poses just wouldn't work for me. I even had yoga instructors trying to force my body into these positions and it just wouldn't work because I lack the mobility. So I learned that I actually can't put my arms over my head properly. And you can do this too. If you just like put your arms over your head, if you feel your lower back starting to arch to get your arms over your head, that means that your shoulders and probably your upper back are not mobile enough. So instead of forcing yourself into getting into these positions, Dr. Jen has a really awesome program called the mobility method where you can slowly using active movement work on getting better mobility so that you can do different things and also prevent injury. So wake up call, all the yoga in the world won't fix your mobility issues. I learned that mobility is the key to my shoulder pain that I have over and over and also to knee pain. So when I found Doc Jen Fit, that's her Instagram handle, I was amazed and inspired by her videos. They're really awesome and they're really easy to understand. And most importantly, they're easy to execute in our daily lives. Dr. Jen left the standard physical therapy clinic and started her own business with both a private practice and an online platform called The Mobility Method and The Optimal Body. In this episode, we talk about Dr. Jen's journey, rethinking how to help people heal their own bodies, understanding your personal areas of pain, the mistake most people make with their breathing, and how to cultivate a more self-compassionate and self-love talk in our own minds. And it's really incredible some of the advice she gives because the way that we talk to ourselves, the things that we say every single day is what creates our life experience. So developing healthier habits and also awareness and just catching yourself if you're saying negative things about yourself or your body can help you heal as well. As I mentioned before, I follow Dr. Jen very closely, and I think after hearing this awesome episode, you will too. If you're enjoying the show and you want to share it with your friends, we really, really appreciate that. That is the best way to get the word out about these amazing guests and this show to help people live better lives. So if you want to do that, simply just tell your friends about it. You can take a screenshot and post it on your social media and tag both myself and Doc Jen Fit for today's episode. Or you can leave us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. If you need help, I'm happy to help you, but you just go into the app and you search The Sonia Looney Show in the Apple Podcast app and you scroll down and you'll see stars. You can leave however many stars you feel are appropriate and then you can write a review. And that really helps in the searching of the show on Apple Podcasts so that more people can find it. So thanks so much, you guys. 
I wouldn't be able to do this without you. You are the oxygen of this show. And I just really appreciate that you're here and that you're listening. And it means the world to me whenever you send me messages. So let's get into today's great episode with Dr. Jen Esquer. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's so exciting to get to talk to you in person because I've been following you for a long time and I'm always really inspired by everything that you're putting out there on, into the world. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Now, so how did you get started on this journey? You know, I've always been a mover like my whole life. And when I was in grad school, I stumbled across the calisthenic community which is just basically working out outside, <laughs> especially on the beach in Venice, California. They were doing awesome things on the bars. And I met up with them. And one of the guys happened to have a, a large Instagram following at the time. And he would share anyone who was kind of in the calisthenic community. And so he started sharing me and I started to naturally kind of gain followers from that. And from there, it just became, okay, well, let me share my fitness journey. Let me just share what I've been doing and how I've been trying to learn new skills and calisthenics and all of that. And then now it's shifted to education about the body, which is really what I'm most passionate about. So did you grow up as an athlete or interested in fitness? Yeah. So my parents actually required that we were in a sport all growing up. <laughs> And my sport happened to be gymnastics. I tried everything under the sun. I tried soccer, softball, dance, but those weren't quite for me. <laughs> yeah, so gymnastics is where I ended up. And I did it for about nine years before I retired <laughs> as a gymnast. And then I, I danced a little. I did pole vaults and treble jump. And, and then after that, I stumbled into Pilates. And I loved it because it totally reminded me of gymnastics conditioning, like the same body weight and like kind of small holds and pulses and all of that. It was very similar to what I would do in gymnastics. And so I naturally just fell in love and then continued to learn. And I still learn to this day from everyone I can when it comes to just any different kind of workout especially as I went through physical therapy school. Unfortunately, I don't think you get exposed to enough you kind of learn like very basics. But I think if you really want to work with all humans, you have to really expose yourself to many different types of movements. So I learned weight training, I've learned animal flow, I've learned how to work with different functional, whether it's kettlebells, maces, all that kind of stuff. I've worked with a sprinting coach, I've worked with so very many different people I just kind of find and I attach myself to and I'm like, teach me how to do it myself so that then I can start to analyze what's really happening within the body. Yeah. Being coachable and being willing to reach out for help is so important. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about growing up as a gymnast. What was that mindset like and how did that affect you getting older? Because I know that gymnastics is a very visual sport and I know that there's a lot of different things that come out of that. So can you talk about that a bit? Yeah, I mean, I felt like I was so young. It was interesting going through like kinesiology for undergrad and just realizing, gosh, if I had a lot of these like psychological techniques and a lot of these things, it would have made it so much easier because you could start very young as a gymnast and have zero fear. But then as you get older, you kind of start to develop this fear in terms of like going for different moves and challenges. 
And I will say like, it really freaked me out a lot of the time of like, well, I'm going to like release the bar and catch the other one and (laughs) that's going to end up okay. Or I'm going to completely take my body off the beam and I'm just going to land back on it. So it really kind of defeating that mindset was something that we worked with the coaches all the time. And like you said, it had a lot of visualization that came with that. So being off that apparatus and really visualizing your team, closing your eyes, we'd spend a lot of time doing a lot of visualizations on and off, whether we are in season or out of season. And then when it came time to actually do it, it was really just about, you know what you can do. Don't think, just do. (laughs) Because the longer that you stood there and contemplated, you would either mess up and it could be really dangerous, or you kind of back out of the skill at last minute, which is also super dangerous. So it really just became a matter of like visualization and then get up and go. And really working with that really taught me a lot. And then just in terms of like continuing to, as I went up the levels, we have so much hard conditioning, which I now learned conditioning in modern sense is really like cardio. (laughs) But what we called conditioning with gymnastics, it was like pull-ups, push-ups. It was all, it was very much strength-based. So it's so funny to like now come into the fitness world and be like, what are you talking about conditioning? (laughs) That we're not running and biking. We're on the floor and we're doing exercise. (laughs) So it was just so funny to come into that world. But regardless, you learn as you go up through levels and you're doing this like three sets of 10 pull-ups, three sets of 10 leg lifts, and you, you kind of have to start to gauge it yourself. And it is a practice of your internal integrity. Your coaches aren't watching you. Your teammates might catch you if you cheat, but it really is up to you. So whether you're going to do the work and how that's going to carry over into practice and into competition is all dependent on you. And so it was a really good lesson in integrity, commitment, and hard work overall. That's so awesome. I think that sports is a really great way to teach kids and adolescents work ethic because Mm -hmm. you actually get to see that if you work hard, there's going to be a positive result. And I love that you just said it's what you do when nobody else is watching. And that definitely carries on into adulthood and anything that we do. Yeah. All the time. It's so big. And like the integrity with your own word is where it all starts. Because if we're keeping our commitments to ourselves, then we can more so focus out and keep our commitments to other people. And where it usually breaks down with other people is when you're not even able to keep it with yourself. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, Don Miguel Ruiz's book, The Four Agreements, Be Impeccable (laughs) With Your Word. I love that. So what made you decide to go into physical therapy? Because you were interested in fitness in the body. And like a lot of people have those interests, but they don't really know where to take that. And how did you know that physical therapy was the right avenue to go? You know, I really just followed like what I continue to really appreciate and like. So like in high school, I really loved anatomy and biology. So I was like, and I loved obviously human movement because that's what I did all the time. So I was like, okay, let me go into kinesiology. I wasn't sure where that was going to lead me out yet, but I decided kinesiology would be the route. And then I started working in a physical therapy clinic when I was an undergrad. And I really, I loved watching a physical therapist look at a patient and just kind of watch them walk or watch them move or like feel their hands on their body. And I'm like, what are they feeling? What are they looking at? You know, and it always, it was very impressive to me. And I really liked that aspect. And so I decided that wasn't 
particularly the clinic I was going to work in because it was so high. It was so fast paced, which was awesome for me as an aide. I got to do a lot of hands on, which is actually not allowed. (laughs) I charted for physical therapists. I did a lot of exercise and manual treatment that really shouldn't have been done, but it was awesome for me. I wouldn't like it as a physical therapist myself because I would want more time with my clients, but it was really good exposure. And so I just knew as I continued through kinesiology, I don't like blood. I don't like anything else. So, you know, MD or nurse or anything else is probably not going to be my route. And at the time I also thought chiropractic was a quick fix. I didn't know a lot about it. And so I just thought, you know, physical therapy, that's going to be my thing. And I just committed to it. No matter how many loans it would take, no matter how many times I had to apply to school, like that's what I decided and that's where I was going. That's funny. I actually was at a similar junction as you. I was in grad school for engineering, but then I thought, I don't like this. And then I took all the prereqs for either physical therapy or PA school and I volunteered in physical therapy, but my bike racing started going really well. So I ended up not going, but I love being able to help people. And I love that you through the internet and through being able to spend more time with clients in person are able to make real differences. But going back to chiropractic, I had the same experience as you for a long time. I thought you just go in and you crack your neck or whatever. And there's some chiropractic clinics where they say, okay, you're going to pay this much money and you're just going to come in like 15 times in a month. And to me, that just didn't seem like real chiropractic work until I moved to Canada and I went to a great chiropractor here. And I thought, this seems more like physical therapy. Like you're doing grass in and you're doing these active movement things. Like what is this? So can you tell tell us what the difference is or even if there is a real difference anymore? Yeah. You know what I've learned through the years is if you don't know if they're a chiropractor or a physical therapist, they're doing their job. (laughs) Because there should be such crossover, which some people might not like. Like they say, no, we stay in our lane, but it's not true. It's like, If you're just trying to help a human, you're helping a human and you learn whatever you need to along the way. Most chiropractors will have like an x-ray or an exam machine that is a little bit more than a physical therapist will do. But those are also sometimes a lot of people who are saying, well, we're looking for this malalignment because we're going to sublux you when you're doing your adjustment and get things adjusted back into place, which if you keep up with research is just not true. We're not actually putting anything back into place. Can we have situations where there can be some, you know, even like your collarbone can actually come out just a little bit? Sure. But even just moving your arm can get that back into place. So it's not necessarily like we're moving the spine and manipulating it back into place. We're really just affecting the neurological system. Same with Graston same with massage, same with a lot of movements. We affect the neurological system. So if we're always, if we're at least on board with the current research and how we're actually helping a client, then we know what we're doing and why we're doing it. I've had people also tell me, you know, well, chiropractors are, they adjust in a way that's moving the facet joints, which is on a vertebrae, but with physical therapy, you're only adjusting the nervous system. And I'm like, uh, (laughs) how does that work? <laughs> because the, the technique is exactly the same. So, you know, it really is, you just get to kind of drop ego in that moment and say, okay, I learned this and things change. Studies have shown that it's changed. Some things that I learned in physical therapy school are not true. <laughs> so as long as you continue to like kind of stay up to date, we're all just helping humans. And 
the good chiropractors are really, there's so much crossover. They look like physical therapists and the good physical therapists can look like chiropractors. Maybe they adjust a little bit and then they're doing massage techniques and active work. Yeah. And you mentioned that some of the things they teach you in physical therapy school may or may not be applicable. And I've heard a lot of stories of how you have started your business. So can you talk about how you got out of the clinic and into what you're doing now? Yeah. When I first got out of physical therapy school, oh, and I just heard this from a friend the other day too. She was talking with a chiropractor and they think that we only do ultrasound and electrical stimulation. And we only think chiropractors do adjustments and have really good business savvy where it's actually not true. They don't get business, much business class just as much as we do. And, you know, like I already talked about, there should be crossover. But so coming out of PT school, I felt like I needed mentorship. I was like, okay, I passed boards and now what? (laughs) How do I actually help someone? So it's unfortunate that you still feel like not confident enough to really work with someone, even though you have tons of knowledge of the body and how it works and all the systems and what to look for as far as red flags go, but you still don't really know how to help someone. And so for me, it was like so important to get a mentor. And when I went to my first clinic, that is what I got. I was able to ask so many questions and do all these things. But what I saw Adam, and he was so smart. He was the head physical therapist, so smart. But it was almost like he was over it. Like he didn't care to really treat clients anymore. And he was just there to kind of like socialize. And really a lot of people came for that reason, just to socialize with them and with the other people in the clinic. And so he was doing a lot of ultrasound. He was doing a lot of laser treatment. He was doing a lot of the same two exercises for every upper body, the same two exercises for every lower body injury. And it was just like, I don't understand because you're teaching me a lot, but you're not using it in your own practice. And so it became really frustrating. And then when so many people are just using ultrasound and electrical stimulation, I would have clients who are like, well, why am I not getting that? And why, (laughs) you know, and it's just not something that I truly believe is going to move someone forward. And so I wouldn't use it a lot, but then I started to have to, and it's fine if it's a placebo effect and it's helping in that way, or it's helping to relax them. That's okay too. But it was really not what I believed in. I really believe like if you are active within yourself and if you move within your body and you just learn the tools that you need for your own body, there's so much that you can do for yourself. And also a clinic, they just don't give us enough time to really dive in and talk with a client and really see where things can be coming from because it could be so much in life that is getting locked up in you or stressors or what you're eating that could be affecting your whole system and your pain especially. And so when you don't have that much time to go in deep or you have so much other commotion around you, it doesn't give you that opportunity. And so I just realized I wanted to do my own thing and I wanted to help clients the way that I truly believed I could. That's awesome. So how did you know that you were able to start your own practice? Oh my God, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) I did. So in my third year of PT school, I met, that's when I completely had a shift of chiropractors because there's a chiropractor who was coming to my boyfriend's house and working on him. And she did like all physical therapy type stuff. And I was like, what is this? (laughs) And you're working for yourself. You have your own tools, you have your own table and you're going to someone's house. And so she kind of taught me like what her model was and how she did it. And so I learned from then like, oh, well now that physical therapists have direct access, 
we could technically be doing this too. We don't have to go under an MD. We don't have to wait for a prescription. We can treat physical or we can treat patients the way we want to as well. And so that kind of opened my mindset. And so early on when I got my job, I also looked for a CrossFit in the area and I just went and I left cards and I worked on the manager for free and they let me come in and treat clients. So two days a week I would go in and I would have my own private clients on the side out of the CrossFit. And I would take my table and all my tools and everything. And as I was getting close to really being okay with leaving the clinic, I was getting reached out to all the time for people to work with me privately. I was hearing that people were coming into the clinic because they heard that I worked there and they were paying cash to come see me. And I wasn't obviously seeing any of that. So it became a, a point where I was getting other opportunities outside of the clinic, outside of what I was doing as well, that it just made sense to be like, you know what, I'm going to take a leap of faith and just see what happens. <laughs> and I don't know even how to set up my own business right now, but I'm just going to go for it and try. So I actually gave them a week's notice because I was like, guys, I have a lot to figure out right now. <laughs> <laughs> and they were surprisingly okay with it, which is awesome. And it all ended up to be okay. And as soon as I knew it, like my schedule got filled up super quick. And I'm just so grateful that I was able to take that leap of faith and just say, this is what I want to do. I'm going to give it a shot. And I can always go back to a clinic if I need to. Yeah, I think that taking that leap of faith is a really important point because that's a big deal to leave your comfortable, cushy job and to say, I'm just going to see if I can do this on my own and see what happens. And a lot of people get stuck in that spot. They feel stuck. They don't know if they should actually do it or not. So what actually helped you make that decision to move forward? You know, a lot of it did come from, you know, I was being exposed to people who were doing their own thing and showing that it could be done and could be possible. And so that was really encouraging as well. I think surrounding yourself around people that you admire and you want to be and you want to do similar things, if not the same, is the first thing to start to do so that you can open your mindset and see what's possible and really expose yourself to those things and then learn from them as well. Like I learned and I asked a lot of questions. So that foremost is like super important. And then kind of getting yourself set up to say, okay, if I leave, what are the steps I have to do? And that was my thing. It was like, okay, I'm going to quit. Now what do I have to do? How do I set up my own business? How do I make sure that everything is covered? How do I create intake forms and, and get like online notes and everything that I need so that I could be covered and I could be okay? How do I get my own insurance? Just whatever else it may be. So I didn't leave before I was ready to as well. I mean, my boyfriend would be like, I told you to leave so long ago. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And I wasn't ready. <laughs> I didn't know if I had my own client set up and I knew maybe I could have hustled even more and got that done. So maybe I could have left earlier, but it really came to a point where I was like, I was getting reached out to, I was open to the opportunity and the possibility that I can make this happen. So I didn't just leave blindly either. And I think people need to understand that too. They hear these stories of people just leaving their jobs and all of a sudden this thing opened up, but I worked on the side of my full-time job too. I was at the CrossFit. I was building up my own clientele. So I think creating that side hustle, making sure the demand is there of what you want to create, and then taking that leap and seeing if it can become a full-time thing. Yeah, I love that you said, um, your boyfriend said, oh, you, you should have left long ago because a lot of times when we are surrounding ourselves with people like us that believe in us, they believe in us before we believe in us. But yeah, yeah it's important to like get there on your own too. Yeah, my husband did the same thing to me. Like, you should quit your job. I was like, ah. 
Yeah, I love it. <laughs> so I want to talk about your online business because I found the mobility method uh, probably about six months ago. And I think you're coming up to your one year anniversary. Is that right? I am. So awesome. Exciting. I know. <laughs> yeah, I feel very, so grateful. And that too has just been like, again, following what the need has been. I mean, when I started to accidentally get a following on Instagram, it became okay. So I guess I'll stop posting, you know, like friends and, <laughs> and post more of what people are liking. And they like to see my journey. They like to see the new skills that I'm getting. They like to see what's possible with the body. And so I continue to post into that. And then once I transitioned into education and people really started to gravitate toward, you know, learning about these different techniques and these different things that they could do for their body to get out of pain or to prevent pain, the more I just started to really dive in. So it was whatever people were gravitating toward, whatever people were liking is where I, I found that I get to go. And then it became like, Social media, everything is always transitioning. It's always changing. And so Instagram can get taken over by another platform whenever. <laughs> and I don't own it there. I don't have an, like, yes, I have an audience there, but if it goes away, then what? And how could I get this into people's hands that can actually be tangible rather than, you know, the algorithm is changing and I don't know if people are going to see my stuff. I don't know how many videos they're going to follow. I don't know if they even would try that one video, if it would even work and be what they needed for their body. So then it became, okay, what else can I give people that it would be valuable for them? And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to launch an online program. <laughs> and I had zero idea what I was doing. <laughs> I just decided, you know, this is where I feel like I really get to go and can provide so much more value than just what I'm posting on a one minute video on Instagram that people may or may not see. And when I asked people what they would want for me, if I were to give them something, they all said mobility. And I was like, awesome. That's perfect in alignment because it is also what I feel like I can give people as a foundation to start with. And they get to kind of like learn about their bodies and build on a solid foundation. And that's something I actually believe in rather than, yes, you can get strength programs, but you can do strength for body weight, strength for this, strength for, you know, is it a beginner, is it an advanced, where everyone can kind of assess mobility and do it on their own and actually learn and benefit no matter what level they're at. Yeah. So, so whenever you say mobility, I think a lot of people don't actually know what that means. Like yeah. they might think it's flexibility or yoga or so can you elaborate on that? Yeah. So when I'm talking about mobility, I'm really talking about what is the active portion of what you can control within your own body. So not only can I place my hands on the wall and do a deep stretch, but now can I stand up off that wall and lift my arms to the same height? And sometimes it ends up you can't or you're compensating by bending into your low back. And so maybe that's what's actually hurting your low back is that you're compensating because you don't have full range of motion in your shoulders. And so getting people out of the idea of chasing a diagnosis or chasing an MRI or chasing a symptom, but really getting them to see what is happening within their own body and what is the range of motion within their body that they can actually functionally control. So instead of just passively stretching with a strap or passing through movements in yoga, what can you actively control in yoga? And I know a lot of my friends are actually stepping into this as yogis even, where they're doing flows, where they, they do a lot of end range holds and they do a lot of 
like lifting up their leg and holding before they step forward. And they're making sure that they're teaching people how to get into the active range rather than just the passive, which is so beautiful to see. And my role in coming in and having this mobility program was to say, here are some self-assessments that you can do within your own body to kind of see where normal range of motion should be at and where yours might be at. And here are some exercises that can guide you into it. And so it became for me, just like a place where it's not just a flow, it's not general, but it really gets to be personalized within your own body because really measuring what's happening within your body and then how that carries over into real life is what's going to be the best for you. Yeah. So I want to talk about the self-assessment portion because I'm somebody, I thought I knew my own body. Like I've been doing yoga for like 10 years and I've been to chiros and physical therapists and massage and like the whole nine yards. And the example I want to give everybody is I was so frustrated that I could never do a handstand. It was like my lower back would just get all bent and I just, I could never hold it. And then the yoga instructor would try and like try and rotate my humerus in its socket, which it doesn't do. And also told me that my core was too weak. So I walked around thinking, oh, like, you know, my arms don't move right and my core is weak. And then I went to a kinesiologist for a little bit of strength work, which I had never done before. And he said, well, the reason why your ribs are flaring out and you're getting that banana back when you're trying to do a handstand is because your shoulders, like you can't actually lift your hands, your arms over your head. And I, I can't do that. And that was kind of a game changer for me because I realized, oh, like I have limited mobility and I've been practicing yoga wrong for over a decade, trying to force myself into these positions. So that's where I really love finding your program because I thought, oh, like I'm not an alien that just can't do a handstand and will never do one. It's I have to be able to lift my arms over my head first. So can you talk about how people can learn this body awareness without actually having to go see a kinesiologist? Yeah. And I think the coolest thing is that when you learn about your own body, you're able to have that compassion, like, oh, it's okay. Like, I just didn't have that, you know, and I think having the compassion for your body and where it's at is key. And the whole point of the self-assessment and to be able to do that yourself is just to gain awareness. It all starts with awareness with everything that we do. And if we can start to gain awareness into where we're at, then we can start to open up into all these different things. And so the self-assessment is really just a way to kind of measure range of motion within your body without needing a goniometer, without needing another person. My best suggestion is always to like video yourself or take a picture or have someone take a picture of it so that you can kind of compare what it is and what it should be. And then you can also use that picture as a kind of like a measurement tool where you're saying, okay, this is where I'm at right now. These are the exercises I'm going to work on. And then I'm going to see if in a couple of weeks, if it gets better based on what I've been working on. And so I think just being able to go into the body and have a toolbox where you can self-assess yourself is really, really cool. And that's all it is. Like you don't have to know everything about your body, but it's opening yourself up to all these different tools so that you can start to learn about your body. And I always say like the best physical therapist, massage or chiropractors or acupuncturist or whoever it is, the best ones are the ones who are facilitating the journey. They're not just passively taking you through the journey and saying, this is what's going to fix you because no one fixes you besides yourself, unless you have surgery. Okay. Then you're getting fixed for something. Yes. But so many things we can prevent if we just start listening to our body, 
increasing our awareness about where we're at and learning the tools of how we can get out of it. There's so many tools. I'm not saying mobility is the only one, but it's one to start building a foundation off of. It's one to start like looking at where your range of motions are so that you can start building in other places. And just like you said, like shoulder flexion range of motion to get your handstand. I mean, that carries over into so many other things. Like maybe it's also your upper back isn't moving so well so that your shoulders are restricted. And that could lead into low back pain for a lot of people if that's the only place that they're moving from. So also being aware that like, just because the low back is hurting doesn't mean that that's where the problem is. That's a symptom, right? Your body's talking to you, but now you get to look at your body as a whole because it all functions together and really see where the problem could be coming from that could be causing that pain, causing that disc injury, causing the sciatica rather than just looking at the symptom. Yeah. I mean, people get knee pain or, or shoulder pain or whatever, and they say, oh, my knee hurts. I'm just going to go get ultrasound or I'm going to go get taped with mm-hmm. kinesio tape. But really, that's just putting a Band-Aid on it. But being able to show up regularly and practice mobility and doing stretches and strength work regularly yeah. is what most people struggle with. The con- and I struggle with that too, the consistency of it. So like, is it better to do like five minutes a day instead of one hour a week? I would say so. I think consistency is key over anything. If we want to start working out regularly, we have to do it consistently. If we want to build a business, you have to work on it consistently. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get strong, like you have to do it consistently. You don't build a business by working on it one hour, one day a week. (laughs) I mean, that sounds crazy, right? No one, everyone knows that though. Like we can look at these things tangibly and say like, okay, I'm going to make money and build a business, but I'm only going to do it one hour, one day a week. Like that'd be crazy. But we focus so much more time on these outer things, on these outer experiences rather than what's happening within our own body. And so when I also say like, Hey, I get it. I'm busy traveling all the time, doing a lot of things. So what if we just took it and we did one exercise in the morning before you got out of bed? What if you did one exercise that got you out of your chair when you're working at your desk all day long? What if we did one, like two as your warm up before you worked out, two as you cool down before you worked out, and then one before you went to bed? All of a sudden, you had like seven or eight exercises that you did throughout the day that took two minutes at a time. Yeah, like people can just sprinkle it in. That way, it doesn't seem to be this big hurdle or time commitment mm-hmm. that you have to put in. You did one where you did a video where you're doing it in bed, like you were doing mobility in bed. And I I love that one because it's like, oh, you can even do this in bed. You don't have to like have special lighting in a room and music. You can do it anywhere. Anywhere. And I always say be that person who's at work because, yeah, people might look at you weird for like stretching at your desk or like doing something at your chair. But over time, you're that person that they're like, "Hmm, maybe I should be paying attention to my body too. Maybe I should be doing something to my body. So you actually get to be that influence, that inspiration that people are actually looking toward. At first it might look weird, but be that weird person. Like no one created something because everyone looked at them and thought, oh yeah, that's a good idea. Like a lot of these ideas that we have in technology and anything, people thought it was crazy. So be that crazy person at work who's actually focusing on your body because that's what's going to help you live longer and not have so much pain and be paying attention. Yeah. And I want to talk about aging because people think, oh, well, you get older and then you go in your wheelchair and you have to go into the nursing home and I don't want to be 90 because that's going to suck. But that's because we don't take care of our bodies now. So Mm -hmm. yeah, like what is your view on healthy aging? 
You know, I think it all comes at a price of just starting to pay attention to this conversation that we have with our body. So understand that externally, people put a lot on us, like based on like, well, you're predisposed for for high blood pressure, you're predisposed for high cholesterol, you're predisposed for whatever disease it could be. But at the same time, based on, and we know this with studies, this isn't like crazy, but if you change your environment, you change what you're putting in your body and how you're acting around your environment, so stressors and movement and all those other things, we know that you can actually change the function of your DNA, of your genes. So if we can change the function of what is actually happening, we can also change those things that are being predisposed onto us. So you don't have to be victim to high blood pressure, high cholesterol, high or a chance of cancer, or all these other things that freak us out. We don't have to put that on us if we just start to change and focus on our environment and what we're doing with our own body. And so that gets to be like the first thing that we kind of have to take responsibility over, which is a little scary too. <laughs> And then it comes into our internal conversations. What are you actually telling your body on an everyday basis? What are you what are you telling yourself? Are you focusing on what you can't do, on what your body doesn't have the ability to do? Or are you focusing on a daily basis on what it can do and what it does have? Um, one of the best examples I have of this is like my friend Amy Purdy, who is a bilateral amputee below the knee. She is also a Paralympian snowboarder who created legs so that she could snowboard and freaking medal three times, which is like absolutely insane. And the reality is she got up every day and focused on what she does have. She does have this body that can still move. She does have the ability to find legs and readjust and rework so that she can snowboard. Like she didn't focus on the fact that I don't have feet. So now I'm can't do this. I can't do that. I can't like, instead of focusing on what she can't do and what she doesn't have, she focuses on what she does have. And we had to do that even in the smallest ways. Like you'd be like, well, shit, I have a very capable body. So now I feel bad about myself. But it also is like, okay, are you focusing on the fact that you can't touch your toes or that you have a body that can move, that you have legs that can move and you can stretch every day. So what are you focusing on and telling yourself that you can do rather than, and what you get to do because you have this amazing body rather than what you can't do or what you have to do? Like, you know, our language and what we tell ourselves is so important. And then it just, the last thing I like to discuss is like the listening portion of our body. So what are we actually saying and listening to our body in, in terms of what it's saying to us? Is it saying that you feel super stiff and super tight? Are you actually listening to that? and doing something about it, or are you just covering it up? Or are you just ignoring it? If you have pain and you're just taking ibuprofen, I guarantee your body's not ibuprofen deficient. So, <laughs> so maybe it's talking to you and it's something to just pay attention to and start to listen to. So if we can actually say that your body is worth listening to, just like it's worth listening to a conversation, it's worth listening to a podcast, it's worth listening to what it's telling you every day as well. Yeah, I love that self-talk piece. It's so powerful in so many ways, even the way that we look at our own body in terms of body image. Like a lot mm -hmm. of times people look in the mirror and this is a habit I'm trying to change about myself is don't look at the thing first that you don't like. Like look in the mirror and make yourself look at the things that you like about yourself first and train yourself to start doing that because it also will help you be more compassionate of others instead of focusing on what you don't like about others as well. You have to love yourself first. And that's such a hard thing to do. Yeah. 
It is. And, you know, I grew up always seeing a mom who also tore herself down a lot. It was like, oh, I'm too fat. Oh, I'm this, I'm that. And she was like, amazing. And so I also picked that up. <laughs> and it wasn't only her. My friends did it as well. They like would tear themselves down or tear down external or why they did something wrong or why they did something bad. So it became my internal dialogue as well. And it took someone else pointing it out and saying that I was creating a negative space around me. So not only like was it a negative within me, but when someone pointed it out, there was negative energy around me. That was what I definitely wanted to start to shift. I never want to create negative space outside of me. I don't want anyone else's energy to be messed up because mine. So once someone pointed it out that I was creating negative space outside of myself as well, that's when it really got to shift for me. And I then committed to writing three things I loved about myself every day. Not only what I'm grateful for, but what I loved about myself. And it had to be within me, not like my day, not like this, but like literally three things I loved about myself every day, which is hard, actually. <laughs> and so especially when you're so good at like tearing yourself down for so many things. And so when I started to focus on that, it really started to shift my everything. And I started to enroll my my mom and my friends into also, if you say anything negative about yourself, I catch you and you get to turn it around right then. And if I say anything negative about myself, please hold me to the same standard. And so it was actually a really cool thing to have that accountability as I started to release that side of me along my journey. I love that. Thanks for sharing that because I think that that's something that people can put into practice immediately. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So earlier you mentioned pain and we have a certain relationship with pain and not exercising pain, but like injury pain. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned that sometimes that can also be emotional. So what advice would you give people on how to get a different perspective or understand their relationship with the pains in their body? So pain is always super interesting. And if it's something that like you had an accident or an acute injury kind of happened, yes, you're going to feel pain. That's a normal physiological response. So any kind of pain, like especially in the acute injury, it's our physiological response. It's still a physiological response, even if you feel it like randomly come on or a repetitive injury or something that's been happening from a stress. That's still a physiological response that's coming down and we're feeling it. So it then becomes like, okay, know that pain is not bad. It's just like you have hunger and your stomach may grumble at you or it may growl or you ate something and it becomes bloated or whatever it may be. Different things happen within our body to tell us something is happening. We yawn. We're tired. Our eyes get droopy. We're tired. Your body is talking to you. So in that same way that your body is grumbling at you, your body is feeling this episode of pain and just telling you like, hey, something is happening. And it's just an alert system. And if we don't have that alarm system within our body, it becomes super dangerous. So it's like when someone has neuropathy of the feet, they actually typically get their feet chopped off because they can't feel if they're going to step on, on a nail or step on something sharp. And that is super dangerous. If you don't have that alarm system, if you don't have that pain response, it becomes really alarming within the body. And so we need that. So the first thing that we get to accept about pain is that it's not bad. 
because that is the number one thing I deal with is like people beating themselves up of like, I shouldn't have this pain. Why do I have this pain? Why is it still here? Why isn't it going away? And we all we're doing is we're beating ourselves up within our mind and we're locking our body up even more. Our body needs to feel safe and protected. And so when it doesn't feel safe, it locks up and it locks up. And so a lot of times when you have back pain, especially, and you're like, oh my God, my back hurts, you automatically go into this extension like response and you like tighten up even more. And a lot of times that causes that spasm in your back or wherever it may be, because your body's going into protective mode because you're telling it that something is wrong and it's freaked out. So instead, what if we said, okay, I feel pain. I accept that this is a normal response. I'm aware that it's happening and I have compassion for the fact that pain is a normal response in life and it's going to happen. It doesn't control me. It doesn't mean that it won't change. And so if we can at least acknowledge and have compassion and awareness for the pain in the very first time, that's the first thing that you get to do. And then I find that dropping into compassion in the body means like connecting that mind and body. So if we can then tap into like the breath, let me calm down for a second. Instead of freaking out about the pain, let me calm down for a second. So I'm going to put my hands on my low belly or my rib cage area and see if I could I just gently breathe like really slow breaths in and out through my nose into my hands and slow down my system. So tap onto my parasympathetic, get into that rest and relax. Because when we're in that sympathetic state, when we're in that fight and flight, when we're like locked up, it's the same as like someone scaring you and you gasp and you kind of breathe into your chest. That's that sympathetic response. So imagine breathing from your chest all the time. Imagine being locked up. What that does, it's actually putting more cortisol out into the body because it's like, oh no, we need this rush of cortisol. Something's happening. We need that adrenaline. But it actually increases the sensitivity in our nerves too. And so that can heighten the episode of pain. So if we could slow down, if we could say, okay, I felt that adrenaline, now let me breathe into it, let me relax, you can actually shut down your pain immediately, or at least lessen it. So again, first thing, awareness, compassion, acceptance, that pain is going to happen, and then breathe into it, and then know, okay, it's just talking to me, now where do I get to go? And that could be physical that could be emotional. Maybe there was a stress happening. Maybe you just got fired. Maybe you got in a car accident and you felt that pain come on. If you just stop and breathe, you'll be able to tell if that pain immediately goes away, probably a little bit more emotional. And what about the type of pain? Like I've had friends say, oh, when I get stressed out, my left calf tightens up or, oh, my neck starts getting really tight when I'm stressed out. That type of stuff, you can't just breathe away. So how can we prevent that from happening, having the body tighten up from emotions? You actually can start to prevent it, but it is a continual work in progress. So especially with the neck, imagine breathing. So like I said, in breathing into the chest. Now, if you're stressed and you're getting more stressed and we breathe into this chest portion rather than our belly, we don't even realize that we're doing it most of the time when we're getting stressed. Well, when we breathe into our chest, we also use the, all these accessory muscles around our upper traps, our neck, all these other areas in order to get their shoulders to lift and in order to feel like you need to breathe. And so what that does, it's making all these accessory muscles up around our neck work way harder than they need mm. to. <laughs> so if we can get on a daily practicing breath work in terms of how it is becoming a more expansive out into the sides and to the front rather than an elevated breath movement, mm. then we can start to actually reprogram the way that we're breathing. 
And so that we don't get into these areas of feeling tight and feeling locked up. And in those areas, when they come, it's just now about having awareness. Like, oh, yeah, I know when I get stressed out, this happens. So what can I do? I can go into the breath. I can relax my body. And I can actually shut down that pain immediately. So if you know, like, that's where it goes and that's where it happens, then practicing this breath work and practicing the movements that you need to in order to shut it off can actually be super powerful. So even if it's like your left calf or your left QL or whatever it may be, knowing that you can slow down into the breath and then maybe you do a little stretch into it as well. Maybe you stretch out your left calf and you or you roll it out, whatever it needs to calm down that nervous system and tell it that it's okay and it's safe and it doesn't need to be in there is totally acceptable. One of the examples I give is even myself. So I got in a car accident like two years ago. I think it was maybe almost three years ago. And it wasn't bad or anything. Everyone's all good. But <laughs> I got into a car accident immediately. My right shoulder blade like flared up. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's back. That's so cool. Because for <laughs> me, it only flares up in stressful situations. So I knew like as soon as I got into that car accident, my right shoulder blade flared up. And I there was nothing wrong with me. Like it wasn't a bad car accident. So I knew it wasn't like a physical pain. And so as soon as I was like, oh, that's so cool. And I acknowledged it, it went away. So if you can come into that acceptance of like when it's going to happen and understand that it's not a condition that you have, you're actually able to breathe into it and then release it. Yeah, I love the visualization part of the breathing, how you mentioned instead of thinking about breathing up and down, thinking about breathing in three dimensions. And I love the different challenges that you offer on your Instagram through your email list and how breathing has been a part of those challenges. Yeah, thank you. That's like the number one thing that I hammer back to people because it's the first place I go with clients in person as well. And so if we can get that to kind of function well, we can tap into mobility, we can tap into strength work, we can tap into so many other things in a way more efficient uh, way. So I want to change gears just a little bit because you're running an online business, you're on social media, you're doing an amazing job with your Instagram account. Like you're doing Instagram lives, you're interviewing other people, you're having all these videos coming out that you're making. How do you have a healthy relationship and balance with your work life versus your personal life? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's always about like a super healthy balance, to be honest. I think it's always a work in progress. But I think every day, if you can take time, at least five minutes to an hour for yourself, and really tapping into whether that's breathwork, meditation, a workout, whatever it may be, as long as you're taking care of yourself within that day, and you're not just out focused on business or other people, but you're also focused on what's happening within your own body, then it gives you that time to reflect on yourself and also just to be open and aware and kind of go about your day a little bit better so that you can actually be nice to others and balance your relationship and all those other things. So I would say that's what I focus on, you know, first. And then it's really wherever I can be present within the moment. So if I know that I'm in a situation with someone or I'm committing to like watching the show with my boyfriend, then I get to be present in that moment. I know that emails will get to emails when I get to them. And I just really focus on like being present into the moment of what I'm doing or else I create too much overwhelm and I don't move forward at all. So really being focused on like being present in that moment in what I'm committing to with the intention of what I want to get done in that moment or what I want to be present to in that moment so that I'm not creating too much overwhelm and stress because that's not going to take me anywhere. 
Yeah. And then I also want to ask you about focus, because I'm sure that everybody keeps coming to you with all these different ideas of how you can expand your business or what you could be doing. And it's really easy. I had a a previous podcast guest and he calls this the curse of the excitement junkie because you want to do everything. So how do you know what to focus your energy on? And in terms of growth, how do you know where you want to go? Because there's so many different things you could be doing. I think it's getting really clear on what you want to create and what your purpose is. So is your purpose in making money? Is your purpose in impacting other people? Is your purpose in, you know, what is your purpose in? And what are the things that are actually going to carry you forward in that? Like, so I've gotten deals for brands or for other things. And I'm like, is this really going to help carry my business forward? Or is it only going to stress me out because I have to post at a certain time and I have to do all these things? So what is it that's actually going to carry my purpose forward? And for me, it really is about getting this word out about the body and impacting other people in that way. So I do not hustle for brand deals. I actually try to turn most of them away because I'm not here just to gain a few bucks here and there. I'm here to really make a difference and impact other people. So I know I can turn away like 90% of those things and it's just not going to serve me. And if it, if it happened that, you know, oh, I missed getting back to them in time, like, oh, well, then I missed getting back to them on time and it wasn't meant to be. So I'm really like, I think focusing on what it is that you want to create and what your intention is. And if that is to make a lot of money, that's okay. If that is to build up your business, that's okay. Like just be committed to whatever that is and then focus in on those things that are actually going to impact your business in that way. I love that. That's such a good point of just, yeah, knowing what, why you're doing it, focusing on the why and coming back to that because it's so easy to get distracted. Mm-hmm. So my last question is, how do you define success in what you're doing? Because I know we just talked about the why and the purpose, but success can be a moving target. And sometimes it can be external. Sometimes it can be internal. So for you personally, even in other things that you're doing in your life besides your business, like what makes you feel successful? What makes me feel successful is really hearing feedback from other people in terms of whether it's like on the streets, whether it's like meeting someone and they're like, oh, I've done a few of your videos and it's actually helped me. And I'm like, oh, my God, that's awesome. Like the fact even if they don't have my programs, the fact that they scroll through Instagram and stop for a second to try one of the whether it's like the morning routine or one of the stretches or one of the exercises and they actually impacted and implanted that into their life. That is success to me this message getting into people's bodies like that is really really what I want I just what I want to drive home for people it's not that you have to buy my program but as long as you're starting to pay attention into your body more as long as you're starting to press this this impact and carry it forward that's successful yeah and your program is super affordable too you want to tell people how much it costs <laughs> yeah so I have a program right now and it's 149. And you get the whole self-assessment and you get, I think there's over like 60 videos in terms of exercises that could be done within your body. And I only add in more. So the more that I continue to learn, the more that I continue to grow, I only add it in and it's no extra cost. And that is half of the price of coming to see me in person where you might get four to five of those exercises. Yes, they would be like, you know, specific for you, but at the same time, you just being able to assess yourself, whether you have an injury or not, because it's really about preventative measures rather than more than anything. But it's really creating this personalized thing that works for your body. And it was hard because for some people, they're like, well, I want, you know, tell me what to do day one, day two, day three. And I'm like, 
yeah, you might do that for like five or seven days, but you're probably going to fall off like most of us do. And if I gave you something like that, it might not be what is needed for your body. So I just, I couldn't put out there something I didn't believe in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you also created something recently called the optimal body. So can you tell people what that is? Yeah. So the optimal body is like a place where I was like, okay, for the people who don't want to (laughs) think, for the people who don't want to put in, you know, the extra work to self-assess and to really see what is needed within their body, here's a way that you can at least start to get started and get into your body on a daily basis. So I put together, it's a subscription-based plan and it's four different functional HIIT workouts, four different mobility flows that are generalized and they go through every part of the body. And then four core workouts that really go from the basics of level one through level four and how you can really start to think about what the breath, the diaphragm, the core, the transverse abdominis, the pelvic floor, and the glutes are all doing together rather than just thinking of a six pack. (laughs) So how to actually make that functional within the body. So, and those get delivered every month. And so it only adds on. So the longer you're in the program, the more that you have to backlog into. And that's um, $19.99 a month. Yeah. The thing that I thought was really cool about the HIT program stuff, because you had a challenge with that is like as cyclists, we're kind of like, eh, like HIT workout, get your heart rate yeah. up, like whatever. I don't need to do this. But whenever I started seeing your challenges and trying to do some of them, I was like, this is actually really good. And this is actually really helpful. And maybe I should stop being a snob about HIIT workouts. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's all different. And the more that we can start to mix it up within our body, honestly, the better. Like people ask me all the time, what do you do for workouts? And I say, whatever my body is telling me I want to do that day. I literally will get up and be like, "Mm, I want to run today or uh, I want to do a HIIT workout or I feel like lifting. I feel like I really need to like get a little bit more lifting in or maybe I need to go to a yoga class or maybe I go to a Pilates. Like I really get just like I wake up and what is what does my body want to do today? And the more that we can really honestly mix it up and I work with different friends again, like I said, who do different things within the body. So the more that I can give my body the opportunity to learn and constantly learn and constantly be like maneuvering into these different techniques. Honestly, the better it is for your body. Yeah. Cyclists, it's hard because we do so much time on the bike and if we feel like we're not riding, then we're not training, but really all the other things that you do are also equally important in your training, but it's really easy to forget that to say, Oh, I got to ride. I got to turn the pedals but really you're going to be better turning the pedals if you're doing all of these other things too. Like maybe you reduce the number of hours you're riding and sub in some of these other things because it'll make you a better athlete and a better cyclist as a whole. Yeah. To really be able to make sure that the body is functioning at the optimal that it can be, because especially with cycling, you're in a position one way at a time, all the time. You can really run into damaging and like, and some repetitive injuries in that way. So if you can do Especially with these HIIT workouts that I do, I really try to mix it up where it's very functional. So not only is it like a push-pull, but it's also like, okay, let's change up the direction. We're going to lunge to the side or we're going to cross our body and do an internal rotation lunge or, you know, do all these different things. So trying to show you so many more ways that your body can move rather than just being in one plane of motion all the time. Yeah. And when you get off the bike, you're still stuck in that position because we sit crouched at our computers. We sit crouched while we're eating. My husband and I joke because you'll see sometimes I'm like bent all the way over my food eating. (laughs) And he's like, hey, like sit up straight. It's like, oh, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And that happens to all of us. It's not like to say that one thing is bad, but it's also, it's better to be able to move into all different positions and not get stuck in one. Yeah. So where can people find you and find all of this amazing information? The place that I'm going to show up the most is definitely Instagram, <laughs> Doc Dunfit on Instagram. It is on Facebook a little bit too, but I'm definitely way more active and I respond to you on Instagram (laughs) or I try to. And then my website, docgenfit.com, you can find all the programs and information on that too. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show. And thank you so much for working so hard to put such helpful and amazing content out there that really does make a difference in people's lives no matter what they're doing. Well, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate the conversation. Awesome. Thanks. She is super rad. I really hope that I can meet her in person one day and I just want to be her friend. She's awesome. So make sure you follow her on social media. That's Doc Gen Fit. And check out the mobility method. She mentioned that there's a one-time payment and I purchased it myself like a while back. And I think it's a great deal because a lot of these sites make you pay a monthly membership fee, but this is a one-time fee, so you get it forever. And I'm not getting affiliates or anything like that off of this. I just want to show you guys this awesome program because I think that it's really helpful and just the body awareness that you can learn from it is great. And I like that she mentioned that you don't have to set aside a crazy amount of time. You can just start adding in these little short habits. So like before you brush your teeth, do something. Before you get in the shower, do something. And all these little somethings add into something big. And before you guys take off, I just wanted to share that Moxie and Grit, my sock brand, is a really great place for gifts. I know it's gift season. Socks are amazing gifts because they're fun, they're funny. And Moxie and Grit socks are a premium made sock made in the United States. And they are made by Defeat, who manufactures everything in North Carolina. And I've been to the factory. I've seen the knitting machines in action. So if you want to support us at Moxie and Grit, go to Moxie and Grit, M-O-X-Y-A-N-D-G-R-I-T.com. And I'd love to see you rocking those socks in your adventures. It's, it's awesome to see. And it's really fun to see all the different things that you guys are doing. So again, thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate it. And wishing you all the best success in your training and adventures. And we'll see you back here next week.